Well, welcome again to Seacoast Church. We are so glad that you are with us from wherever you happen to be. You know, church looks way different right now, but it's been so encouraging uh, to see people connecting from all around the world. And again, I'd love for you to let us know where are you watching from? Where are you connecting from? It's been a lot of fun to just see God continue to, to expand his footprint here on earth during this crazy, crazy season. You know, last week we kicked off a brand new series called Undivided, and we've got 28 churches here in the Charleston area and around South Carolina that are doing this together, kind of looking at what does it look like for the church to be undivided, to be unified as it relates especially to this conversation around justice and around race. And, you know, as soon as we started having this conversation, I began to think about who who do I want to introduce you to? Who do I want to bring in to, to have their voice as an important part of this conversation? And the first person that I thought of was my friend, Scott Williams. Now, I would introduce you to him as a guest, but he's already been here. In fact, when he comes the first time, that's a guest. Second time, that's that's a friend. This is his third time coming to Seco. So he's he's family. And so I'm so excited for him. Scott was a campus pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma City, one of their fastest growing campuses. Uh, Scott now travels and preaches and consults all around the world with his company, Next Level Solutions. And so I'm so excited for you to hear from him. This is a little awkward. Normally in a room, I'd say, stand to your feet. Let's give him a standing ovation. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shout him down in the comments. He'll be watching with us this weekend. Shout him down, follow him on his Instagram and make sure he knows how much we appreciate him coming here to be with us at Seacoast Church. So would you help me welcome in the comments, Pastor Scott Williams, as he brings the word for us this week. Hey, 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 we would normally uh, do a hug or a fist bump or some of that, but we know uh, with COVID restrictions, that's not the case. I want to start by welcoming everybody joining us all around the world at Church Online. I would say all the Seacoast campuses, but really just everybody literally join us from everywhere, from Yugoslavia, we got Indonesia, we got South Africa, we got Alabama, like people are joining from everywhere. I know we got my friends in Oklahoma City. I know my life group is there and they're joining us as well. So thanks everybody for joining us. I'm really excited to be able to, to share God's word with you today. And so first of all, I'm going to start off by saying, man, I absolutely love your pastors. I mean, Pastor Josh and Lisa, one thing I love about Pastor Josh and, and Lisa, they're just real. Like what you see is what you get. And matter of fact, like they're just good people. In Oklahoma, like I'm from the South. I mean, we kind of call ourselves the South, but we're the Midwest. Like where I'm at now, Charles, this is like the real South. This is like the dirty South. Like it's, this is like the humid South. You know, matter of fact, like it's so humid here. Like when, when I got here, I just want to let you guys know, like it's hot, like, like hot, hot, like, and it's got this thing called gloomidity, not humidity, but but gloomity. When I got here, my hair was blonde and straight. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but no, true story. Like it, it's hot here. I don't know if you guys know this, but heat makes chocolate melt. And so, but anyway, man, I uh, I appreciate uh, at least our, our audience here laughing. And as Pastor Josh said, man, really share in the comments. Like, I want you to help me preach this thing. I'm going to go in the comments, matter of fact. I'm going to watch. And for those of you guys that are interacting the most, that are helping shout me down, that are really laughing, laughing emojis at my joke, I'm going to find you. And I got a gift for you. That's real talk. Like, I'm not just joking. You'll get to find out what the gift is. And so I'm trying to bribe, whatever you want to call it, to get you to help to engage in the comments. But I really appreciate you guys joining us. And it's a series, Undivided. It's going to be a three-week series, and I got a chance to hear Pastor Josh's message last week. It really challenged me, and I hope it did you. So if you hadn't had the opportunity to watch it, go back and take a look at it. It's an amazing message. And as I'm thinking about, like, kind of where my heart is, this whole conversation about the church and being divided, a little bit of my story, like, about 10 years ago, I had written a book called Church Diversity, Sunday, the Most Segregated Day of the Week. And it was inspired by a quote from Dr. King that he shared over 50 years ago when he said, we must face the sad fact 
that on Sunday morning, when we stand to sing, we stand in one of the most segregated hours in America. And here we are, it's 50 years later, and, and to be honest with you, Dr. King's quote still rings true today. But it's, it's churches like Seacoast Church and the other 28 churches that are joining the Charleston area that are committed to having conversations that are being part of the change and being part of the solution. And so that's what we're talking about today. And so I just want to tell you guys, like, things are different. I mean, like, I'm just going to be real honest. Like, we went literally from, from being in a global pandemic, which we are right now, to what it did is it uncovered a racial epidemic. And I really think that God allowed us just enough time to pause to be able to pay attention and for the scab to be able to be peeled back to where we're having some real conversations and we're talking about race, we're talking about ethnicity, we're talking about racism, we're talking about police brutality, and we're talking about asking the question, what is our role as the church and what is our role as Christians? And just as a brother, I'll be honest, like things are different now, like conversations, people come up to you and they want to have different conversations. I'm just going to try to give you a little bit of insight, just this one nugget that may help you. One of the things that for my white brothers and sisters that you don't say and you shouldn't say is you shouldn't tell someone I don't see color. That, that is not a compliment. Like the fact that you say you don't see color means what? You see color. And so just don't say that. That's free. I'm not going to charge you anything for that. And, and, and then people come up to me now. And here's another thing you'll need to do. You don't need to let a black person know that you know another black person. <laughs> you know, I was, at, I was at the gym the other day and I had on some, some new Jordans and the guy came into me, he's like, oh man, I love those shoes. I'm Jordan. Like, he's like, he's talking about the Jordans and he's like, man, my friend Tyrone would love those shoes. Like, you don't got to let me know that you know another black person. <laughs> like, hey man, I even got a pair of black boots. I spanked my kids with a black belt. We watch colored TVs. No, I'm just saying, like, you don't have to do that. So 2020 is crazy. I remember before 2020, everybody was getting excited. You had all the prophets that were out there and everybody preaching like 2020. I can't wait to have 2020 vision. 2020 is going to be the year where I'm going to see some things that I've never seen before. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. I don't know about 2020 vision. I think it's 2020 division. And that's what's happened in 2020. So here we are that we're having these conversations. But how many of you guys would like for the second half of 2020 to be amazing? Just go ahead and type it in the comments. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Say, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready for the second half of 2020 to be amazing. And so as we're in this series, Undivided, the foundational scripture is Micah 6, 8. And Pastor Josh preached from it last week, and I'll go ahead and read it. And he talked about this three-legged stool. And so one of the things he talked about, the first thing that he shared was about justice and being just. And today we're going to talk about mercy. And then next week we're going to talk about, like, humility. And so, again, this three-legged stool, and here's what the Scripture says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. This is key. And what does the Lord require of you and of me? To do what? To act justly, justice, to love mercy, Everybody say mercy. Everybody type in there, type mercy. And walk humbly with your God. If you look in the Bible, like a definition of mercy as it relates to scripture, a lot of times we talk about like mercy on, on us as sinners. And, and again, but for, for the time today, mercy literally, our definition is going to be love that responds to a human need in an unexpected, undeserving, or unmerited manner. So love that responds to a human need in this unmerited, this undeserving manner. And so a great mercy story that we're going to look at in Scripture is a, it's a, it's a parable that many of you guys may be familiar with, but I really think it'll help set the stage. But what I want you to understand in our time together today as we're, as we're talking, we got to make sure, like, what is the lens that we're looking through 
this story. And we got to look at it from a theocentric, a, a Christocentric, and a bibliocentric. In other words, we're going to look at it through the lens of God, through Christ, and through what? Through the Bible, through his word. And, and the, the framework is that we are all what? We're all created in God's image. And so again, so if people, there are people, some people may reject you and reject the things that you say and believe if you're talking about coming at it from a Christian standpoint. And that's okay. The scripture is clear that that's going to happen. And so as we're going to set up the story that we're going to look at, we're going to look at the story of the, the Good Samaritan. Maybe you guys have may be familiar with the story, but just kind of set it up kind of where we're at. And so you had this expert in the law. So I want you to think about like a religious scribe, a lawyer, you know, someone that, that kind of had, thought he had all the answers. And what he does is he stands up to challenge Jesus in this moment. He says, I don't know if this is how he talked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so he's trying to ask Jesus this question, but I love like Jesus is so like, I don't know if you can say like gangster with Jesus, but like Jesus is like so dope, gangster, cool in a only Jesus kind of way. So again, like Jesus is amazing. Jesus basically responds with a question. He's like, what do you think? I mean, because this religious scribe, he was trying to catch Jesus. Like, what do you think? He answers a question with a question. And here's how the religious leader responds in Luke 10 verse 27 through 28. And this is really like this, this, this the, the most important commandments. It's literally sums up. If there's two things that we need to do, this sums it up. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and what? And love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the religious scribe said. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So my response to you is like, like, how do we inherit this eternal life? Like, what are the things that we're supposed to do? Jesus said, do this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, with everything in you. Do this. This is the most important thing. These two things. I mean, just imagine it like this. Like you got a test and it has 100 questions. And the professor says, you just get these two things right and you can get an A on the test. And I really think it's important as we're in this, as these times that are so uncertain, like what is the answer to these difficult questions that we have? And Jesus tells us, it's really simple. And he lays it out here. And so Jesus said, ding, 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 ding. Yes, you have the answer. But the, the religious scribe didn't start there. He wanted to try to catch Jesus up. He said, love your neighbors yourself. Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus starts telling a parable. And a lot of times we think a parable is to make it simple or to make it plain. But actually what a parable is, is, is it's a, for, for those who follow Jesus to go a little bit deeper and they want to understand more. He wants you to listen. He wants you to think and he wants you to study. And that's why these parables are so amazing and they're so timeless and they're the most direct connection with how Jesus taught his disciples and the most direct connection with how Jesus is teaching each and every one of us. And so he said, I'm going to tell you this story. The stories are about right and wrong and about the knowledge of the secrets that we're going to only find in heaven. And so the title of our message today is Lord have mercy. Everybody type Lord have mercy in the comments. Everybody type Lord have mercy in the comments. And before we dive into the scripts, let's go ahead and go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. 
God, I pray for every single person that's under the sound of my voice right now, God. I pray that, that you would open their spiritual ears to, to have Jesus to speak exactly what he wants to speak through this parable. Lord, I pray that, 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 they would, that they would hear things that they haven't heard before, that they would hear from a lens of what you would have speak in their life for their family, for their community, for their beliefs, and for their neighbor. I pray that you would open their hearts and ears to, to how the George Floyd story speaks to them, the state of our nation about mercy about racial unrest and more importantly that they would hear it through the lens of the soft whisper that your holy spirit would have for every single person that's under the sound of my voice the best that i could do is to deliver a general message we know your holy spirit can take this message and divide it thousands and thousands of times so it speaks uniquely to every single person that's under the sound of my voice we love you and we thank you and it's in jesus name we pray and so again, so he sets this story up and, and so Jesus is there. We're talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. So what I want to do again, I just want to read this and I want you to, to look at this different. I want you to feel this story. So again, if you have your Bibles with you today, you can go and open your Bibles up and that's what we're going to dive in today. So we're going to dive into Luke's gospel, Luke 10, and we're going to, the, the, the parable picks up in verse 30. Here's what it says. Jesus telling the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to where the man was and saw him, he took, so walked and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, so as a Samaritan traveled, he came and saw where the man was and he saw him and he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. Then he took the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three men do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, Jesus, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, and he's telling you, go and do likewise. You see, this story is basically Jesus's answer to the haters question. Because we're in a time where there's a lot of haters out there and people have lots of questions. And so we know that in this story that the fact that he was, it says he went down from Jerusalem that says that he was a Jew. And we got to understand that this is a racial conversation as well. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. But it's also saying that, that the, the, the priest, in other words, the one that was held in high esteem, the, the religious leader of the time, that he walked by and he, he saw him and so he goes on the other side. And then it says the Levites, who was also, let's think of like your favorite pastor that you watch on Instagram or, or on YouTube. That was that. And so he too saw him and he walked by on the other side again. Samaritans and Jews didn't interact. They didn't like one another. There was racial tension. And so I also think it's important that as we're looking at this story and the revelation that we have is that, that what we got to understand is this is, we, we try to get our politics in the middle of this sometime. And I think the story says, you know, so he's there and he goes by on the right side. And he says, he says he goes by on the other side. So this is not about right or left wing. This is about right or wrong. 
So we got to make sure that we never let the lens, the lens of race to impede the vision of our faith. So we can never let the lens that we look through from race perspective to impede the vision that God has given us from a faith perspective. Because I'm telling you, like, well, you got to understand, like, this is what Jesus is trying to show us. Like, they, several people walked by. Some may have walked by and said, I'm busy. I don't have time to help her. I'm not qualified. I don't know how to jump into racial injustice. I don't know if the, were the police wrong in that situation. I don't know. Like, what is my role? What can I do? Everybody can do something within your space. There's something that you can do right now, but you got to start asking the right questions. And again, we thought maybe the, of course, the pastors, the religious leaders would be the one to help. And that's not how it works. Oftentimes, the people that we think are down with us the most are the ones that we're in a rough situation. They actually don't even have our back. And the ones that you thought were ride or die, I mean, that's a that's an African-American colloquialism. In other words, somebody that's, that's down with you for life, you know, till death do you part. Sometimes your rider dies are not riding with you. And there's people that we expected. If we look at George Floyd's situation, the people that were in charge, the officers, we expect somebody to have his back. As the people on the side said, are you going to help him? What are you doing? And so this phrase, Lord, have mercy, really interesting and so as we're looking through this lens we're looking through this parable like this is hopefully going to shift our conversations instead of using you know they them language we're going to use we us a lot of time i hear people say them and they don't even realize well man they was over there doing that we don't use they them language as christians we use we us because it shifts the conversation. They, them, it doesn't, oh, you know, they, and you might be talking about another political party. They, you might be talking about, another, they always sagging they britches, or they always fighting back, or, or, or they always so racist, or everything they say is racist. It's not they, them. It's we, us. And so this phrase, Lord have mercy, some scholars say the phrase is likely to have originated in the kingdom of Israel following the law of Moses and the Bethlehem courts and and basically giving credence to the authority of God as the, the ultimate authority of the law. And it's a phrase that's also used by presiding judges when they're pronouncing a death sentence. You know, a little bit of my background, I was in the prison system for about 12, 13 years. Uh, spent a large number of my adult years there. Uh, eight by 10 cell, razor wire, pinned up anger, prison. For those of you guys that are new, I was a warden in the prison system. Anyway, like right there, like y'all already, you know, it's typecasting the brother. Why brother got to be in the prison system? You know what I'm saying? And so true story, I was at the age of 25, I was one of the youngest prison wardens in the country. And I didn't know that God was going to use my time as a prison warden to prepare me for ministry. As a prison warden, you meet all sorts of inmates and all sorts of people. And the cool thing about being the warden is you got to pick some of the best trustees. A trustee is someone that you trust and they've kind of done some things with their time to where they're able to come in and do jobs and help out. And I remember I had this, this trustee named Johnson and it was always cool for Johnson's story and for Johnson to be able to, to work with me, learn so much about him and dive into his story. And so we'll share a little bit about Johnson. But what we want to talk about today is like there's some areas that we want the Lord to have mercy on us. And if, and if we really look at these three areas, I'm, I'm a three-point type of guy, but I'm going to give you a bonus today. We're going to have a bonus fourth one. And I'm going to go ahead and give them to you right now because I'm going to give them to you now just in case we run out of time. That way you'll know what they are. So we're going to talk about Lord have mercy on our hearts, Lord have mercy on our hands, and Lord have mercy on our head. And it's going to relate to the, the scripture that we're looking at are the two main points. Again, Luke 10, verse 27. We're going to look at the first part of 27. So Lord have mercy on my heart. Verse 27, he answered, 
Love the Lord God with what? With all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, with all your heart and soul, with everything in you. Like we'll oftentimes hear this phrase where people say, well, my, his heart wasn't in it. What are they saying? Like he wasn't all there. Like, he wasn't in it. His heart wasn't in it. And so again, I think there's a reason why Jesus starts with the heart because we know is that where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, right? And your heart matters. And what I love about there's some fairly recent, uh, you know, studies and research that's come out in probably the last seven years or so. And it's pretty amazing that it's just have come out. And, and there was some revelation about you know, the heart and the brain. We always think like the brain is the one that responds and, and everything else responds from the brain. But the new studies actually show something uh, totally different. And so again, our brain receives many of its instructions on what to do from the heart. And so the studies show that the heart is able to think, able to feel, and have emotions on its own. And so it's almost like when we're praying, like as, as, as Christians that believe when we're praying, like some people think they're praying to move the heart of God. When you're praying, basically what you're doing, you're not praying to move the heart of God, you're praying to God so it moves your own heart. And so it begins to increase your faith. And so it's amazing about the heart. And these studies has also shown that Intense anger is damaging to the heart. Intense grief as well. And that statistically, we are 20 times more likely to have a heart attack after the death of a loved one. Many of you guys kind of know this story. And it also says that the heart's electrical field is 100 times greater in amplitude than the electrical activity of the brain. 100 times greater. Furthermore, the study says this. The magnetic field produced by the heart is 5,000 more times greater than the field generated by the brain. And so these magnetometers, again, this is stuff that's a whole lot above my education grade, but these magnetometers basically talks about the emotions and all these things that come from the heart. But here's what's important to understand, that happiness is good for the heart. And so we don't think the heart is often able to produce like different hormones and stuff, but here's what we need to know. Oxytocin, which is called what? The love hormone is manufactured in the heart. And so these recent studies over the last seven years just figure this thing out, like that here's the, this love hormone comes from the heart and the heart is important. And so these scientists and these people are beginning to figure these things out. And so again, what we got to understand, like Jesus is not surprised when science and culture says we didn't know. The Bible is saying, I already told you so. It's already in the book. It's already there. And so Jesus isn't surprised. I remember this, uh, I told you about my trustee named Johnson. And Johnson was a great guy. He was a strong believer. He would lead some of the Bible study groups in our, in our prison facility. He was one that would kind of help to keep the temperature right within the, the cells and the units. And he began to tell me a story. And it was honestly, he was such a, a mild-mannered guy to hear like his background because you know, Johnson was known as a, as a shooter. He was abusive to his you know, now ex-wife, and, um, and he was just like, he, he was known, gang stuff, just kind of crazy, but he had changed. He would always say, Warden. He's, I was like, Johnson, I don't, it's hard for me to make that connection. Some people, you kind of see it on them. You just didn't see it on Johnson. And he always said, Warden, my heart was hard, and I had one foot in the grave. He'd always say, Ward, like, my heart was hard, and all, I had one foot in the grave. In other words, he was saying, like, I had a hard heart, and, and I was just one foot, one step in from death. Lord, have mercy on my heart. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is, Lord, have mercy on my hands. Everybody say hands. I'll say the, the middle part of verse 27. 
Love the Lord God and with all your strength. In other words, your hands. In other words, everything that you touch. And so if we're making decisions and things that we're touching are based on loving the Lord God, it changes how we look at things that we touch. In other words, the things that we get into, the things that we're willing to go help with, the ministry that we're willing to help with, the things that we type on social media. And matter of fact, many of you like your hands, like the thing that you really grab hold of, like is money. The reason you can't love the Lord God with your hands and your strength and all this is because you're worried about money. And some of you, you're worried about prescription drugs. Like, you know what? I can't do what God wants me to do because I got my hands on this. And some of you, maybe it's, it's an addiction. Maybe it's gambling. And, and you got your hands on all this stuff that you're holding and, and you're grabbing a hold of all of these things that you think are important. Or, or maybe it's debt and you're spending money on your credit card. So you're holding on to all of these things. And you're wondering why in the middle of this global pandemic, in the middle of this racial epidemic, you can't even respond in a godly manner and do it in a way that would recognize that you love the Lord God with everything that you touch, with all your strength, is because your hands are full. And Jesus saying, sir, ma'am, I have blessing and breakthrough for you. I have revelation for you, but I can't give it to you because why? Because your hands are full of all of this stuff. But today's the day you say, you know what? I'm going to drop the stuff because I want to love the Lord God with all my strength. Lord, have mercy on my hands. Third thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Is Lord, have mercy on my head. Everybody say head. Type it in there. Type like the, the mind blown emoji. Whoever does it first, you might have something, a special blessing in heaven for you. See, you got it, ma'am. I'm just assuming it's a lady because she was ready. Fellas sitting there like, wow, already. So anyway, uh, so Lord have mercy on my head. Verse 27, the, towards the middle, towards the end. And with all your mind, in other words, your head, everything that you think. Proverbs 23, 7 in the King James Version says this. For as a man thinketh, some of you guys have missed this. I didn't get into I prepared for this message. Let me say this one. For as a man thinketh in his heart. You catch that. You would think, think, thinketh in his heart. Jesus, again, this is, this is telling you, like, look, as a man thinketh, God's word is telling you, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, the heart is important. So whatever you're thinking of here, so are you. That's who you're going to become. Second Corinthians 10.5. Take captive what? Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that's, that's all of your mind. So what are you thinking? What are you thinking when you're on social media? What are you thinking when people are doing something and you just don't understand? The white people over there just tripping. They all just racist. Black folks just want to tear down statues. This group is doing this. This group is doing that. What are you thinking? Because if you're thinking what the media is giving you every day, I can promise you that it's not honoring God. So again, what are you thinking? What are those thoughts? You got to take capture those thoughts. Lord, have mercy on my head. It's almost like, remember the, the what would Jesus do bracelets? We should really change that to say, what would Jesus think? So when those thoughts pop into your head, that's what you need to do. Say, whoa, like what, what would Jesus think about this situation? Because again, we're talking about loving the Lord God with everything in us, with our thoughts and with our mind and with our head. So like, what would Jesus think? That little subtle question will change everything. What would Jesus think? And here's your bonus. 
into verse 27, and this is when someone will, will play on the keys behind me to make me sound more spiritual. Into verse 27. Not only love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, goes on to say in what? And love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I mentioned earlier how it was hard for me to imagine the inmate Johnson and how he was abusive and violent and all that. And um, as I begin to unpack his story and really most of the people that I found that were inmates in facilities is that when people are abusive and doing criminal acts and doing things, generally like the, the anger that they're taking out on others is because they don't like themselves. And Johnson would say, Warden, you don't understand, the, the, the man I was out there, I didn't like myself. And so if someone doesn't like themselves, how in the world can they love themselves? So we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. So you first got to love yourself. And we're not talking about some selfish thing. We're talking about truly loving yourself in all the beauty and the amazingness and the everything that God created you with, loving yourself in that manner so you can truly love your neighbor like that. And many of you are like, God has put so much potential in you, but you don't love yourself. And some of you guys are in a dark space right now. And you're saying things to other people. You're responding. And, and again, with people that have issues with race, Come on, they, they don't love themselves. They act like it's out of more pride for myself, but they don't love themselves. That's why they can't love their neighbor. And I'm here to tell you right now, like many of you are sitting here and, and like, how in the world can I love my neighbor? What's going on? I'm telling you, if you don't like what you see in your neighbor, it's a really good chance that you don't like what you see in the mirror. And when that begins to shift, and when you begin to like what you see in the mirror, things begin to change. And as I was studying more about the heart, it's pretty interesting loving your neighbor as yourself. I don't know a whole lot about the heart, but I've learned some through this research. The heart is broken up into four chambers. And imagine this, you got the, the two upper, you got the left and the right atrium. Everybody type in atrium. Type in atrium. I want you to think about like a house. Put some house emojis in there. Some house emojis. You got the, the atrium. And atrium is the upper level that you can see. That's when you come to church or you're in the chat room, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the ones that you show people like, you know, like you're excited. It's your favorite worship song is on. And, and but then it also has the left and right ventricles, which is the basement. Everybody say basement. So we're talking about like loving your neighbor as yourself. So we're talking about not only are we going to say, Lord, have mercy. Help me to get the things right that people can see. But I'm talking about, Lord, I want you to help to expose the things in the basement I want you to expose the things that you don't understand what I grew up in. You don't understand how my family members talked about race. You don't understand what this black person, what this Mexican person, what this white person, what this Asian person did to me. But, but we're not worried about that. We're worried about saying as we dig down into the basement and if we're going to truly love our neighbor as ourself, we got to make sure we pull those things out. What I also found that they also refer to the heart as a duplex. I don't know about you guys, when I, when I was growing up I, in, in college, I, I lived in an apartment and then I moved to a duplex and the beautiful thing about the duplex, it's like, it's not just like an apartment with everybody, it's just you and what? One neighbor. 
and y'all had to share some things. Y'all had some common space. And so that's what it is. So you got the left and right. And so not only are we, when you got the duplex, we got to make sure that we work together, that we help our neighbor because this is a difficult time. There's some people that are walking into things that they've never walked into. They're having conversations that they've never had. And so this is difficult for them, but we got to be able to show grace and what? And mercy on our neighbors as they begin to pull things out of the atrium because we got to see some some heart transformation. I mean, racism is something that's been around for a long time. It's going to take more than a than a trip to Walgreens or it's going to take more than a than a, a test revealing that you got the antibodies for racism or or a test revealing that you tested positive for racism. This is this is this is deeper and bigger than COVID. This is something that's going to take a lot of work, but it's something that we must be willing to do as believers. This is our responsibility that we got to be willing to get out in front of our neighbor because we're not going to have the them and they language. We're going to have the we and us conversation. And so my, my, my question for you, just like, like Johnson would say, Warden, my heart was hard and I had one foot in the grave. Many of you, that's where you're at right now. If you're being honest, your heart is hard. And as a result of your heart being hard, you might not even realize that you got one foot in the grave. Many of you, you've already stepped in that there's two feet in the grave and things are going to begin to change, but you got to be willing to make some shifts. That's one thing I love about the worship song, Graves to Gardens. And, you know, it's been one of my favorite songs since the album released. And and for me, I don't know when you listen to it, but when, when you, you hear the lyrics and you hear them singing, but then there's always moments through the song when, when Brandon will, will come in, he'll just say something that I really feel like is a declaration of what we just sang. And one day I told, I, I'm sending a message and said, man, I love when the brother comes in and says, you know, come on now. I just kind of laugh like Brandon, like he's a, you know, he's a brother from another mother. You know what I'm saying? And so like, again, but I, I love it when he says it. So just, I want you to think about these lyrics. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Come on now. So the God of the, of the valleys is the God of the mountain. So the thing we got to understand when we got to go through something in order to get to something and he's the same God and he will find you over and over and over and over and over again. So I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you're going through. The lyrics are clear that he will find you over and over and over again. Your heart may be hardened to your husband. Your heart may be hardened to your kids. Your heart may be hardened to your boss. Your heart may be hardened to all of these things that you're seeing on the media and how our country is changing your heart may be hardened to another race your heart may be hardened to whatever the situation is but it doesn't matter because as long as you will continue walking through it it doesn't matter how hard your heart is because we have an amazing God that can turn your hardened heart that can turn your hardened situation that can turn your hardened situation where you got one foot in the grave and he can turn it into a beautiful garden of faith a beautiful garden of restoration a beautiful garden of change a beautiful garden to where we have a nation and where we have a country and we have a church that is undivided because 
his mercy and grace, no matter where we're at, how deep we're in, there's no place. It won't find us again. Because Jesus, there's nothing. There's nothing that's better than you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's under the sound of my voice, God. I know there's some emotions stirring with people that they got some heavy things going on in their situation. And Lord, I know that you're, as they begin to uncover some things in the basement right now, if, um, if you're here today and you say, you know what, there's some things in my basement that I need to be exposed. I want you to just be a button for you to be able to push and just raise your hand and say, I got some things I need to expose. Just, just push the button. Just, just tap the button that says, raise your hand or say, I have some things I need to expose. And Lord, I pray is that as people are, are bringing some things out of the basement, Lord, that you would give them revelation, that you would give them grace, that you would give them mercy, and you would mind that you will keep finding them over and over and over and over again. And for those of you who say, you know, Pastor Scott, I just need prayer. Like, I just want my, my, my situation to be different. I got some deep stuff going on, and, and there's going to be opportunity for you to be able to connect with some prayer folks, and there's a button for you to be able to respond there. But here's what I know. Just like the inmate Johnson, there's many of you, if you're being honest, as we're talking about this grace and mercy that can only be found in Jesus, many of you, you've never truly made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And what I hate is that I'm, is I'm in a situation like this. And there's thousands of people that are watching online. There's some people that have life order in today. They wouldn't spend eternity in heaven. I'm not asking, have you sang a Christian song? Have you done a good deed? Have you, have you posted something that, that supported, you know, Black Lives Matter? I'm not asking any of those things. I'm asking you, have you ever truly made the decision to step across a spiritual line, to invite Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to wash your sins away, and to make you brand new? And if you're there and you can't answer that question with an emphatic yes, and you're saying, Scott, I, I want to remove all this cultural stuff. I don't want to talk about any of those things. What I want to talk about is that I'm made in God's image and that I want to return back to him. I want to surrender my life to him. So if you're here today, you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away. And I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer, right where you are, I want you just to, just to raise your hand and you can tap it there on the screen. Some of you guys just put, I'm in. I'm making a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. For those of you guys that, that just made that decision, congratulations on the most important decision of your entire life. And as our worship team, man, just helps us as we get a chance to respond to everything that God has done, let's worship him with everything in us.